I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Catalysts of Change, brought to you by the Shaw Family Foundation. Once a month, one of my esteemed colleagues or I will be talking with changemakers who are using entrepreneurial tactics to solve big problems. Today, for our first podcast, we have something a bit different and special. My colleagues, Ross Wilson, who is the executive director of the Shaw Foundation, and Oren Gutlerner, our director of education, have just finished moderating a special event entitled A Call to Action. In alliance with the Boys and Girls Club of Boston and the Boston Public Schools, the Shaw Foundation hosted a community event with thought leaders and game changers from across the city. All of the participants spend each day focused on optimizing the lives of Boston students, both in school and after school. We taped this tremendous convening and the conversations that ensued around graduation requirements, student supports, alternative education, and career pathways. Now, I'll turn it over to Ross, who sets up the conversation for our audience and who later facilitates a panel discussion with key stakeholders who are all leading important working groups in Boston Public Schools to solve and create action plans for solving the issues surrounding each one of these areas. What I love about this event is that it engages dozens of community members and leaders in a collaborative discussion about how we all make our students' school careers as productive and rewarding as possible. Let's get started. Here's Ross. Good evening, everybody. My name is Ross Wilson. I'm the executive director of the Shaw Family Foundation, and welcome to, to our offices. Um, we are thrilled to host an event tonight with such an impressive group of people in this room. Uh, we have some phenomenal educators and leaders, uh, district leaders, uh, partners, policymakers, just a tremendous group of people. Um, and we're, we're super excited about talking, uh, talking about a really challenging problem in the Boston Public Schools, which is how do we serve all of our high school students uh, to the best of our ability and to, and, and to really what they need to be for them to be successful uh, in college and career. Um, we are proud to, to uh, partner with the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Boston uh, in hosting this event. Uh, there is probably no bigger and larger server of students in, across Boston than the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, it, in every neighborhood, I know my boys uh, enjoy the Charlestown Boys and Girls Club. They're just a phenomenal partner in, in, in the city of Boston. And uh, the, the amazing leader of that organization is uh, Josh Kraft. I'd like to welcome Josh up to, to say a few words. Thank you, Ross. And thank you uh, to Nurge and Jill Shaw for hosting this great event here tonight. I'll be very brief. We just look, uh, Ross already said, great leaders, great educators in the room. And the point of tonight and the point of every day that we all go to work is to raise the kids, the families up, and the communities up. And the only way to do it is to do it together by working together. I came in, I was talking to my friend James from the YMCA, and we were saying how we don't, why would people say we're competitors? We want to make sure we're both out of business one day, that no one needs a Boys and Girls Club, no one needs a YMCA. Everyone's always going to need school, so hey, we want schools to stay open. <laughs> but, and, you know, seeing my friend Bob uh, from You Aspire and everybody, it's really just about partnership, you know, with the clubs. 59% of the club members we serve are in BPS. 17% of those kids are Metco kids. But, you know, they touch everyone in this room through school programs, through community programs, not just through the Boys and Girls Club. And we can't do 
the work we do serving 14,000 kids without the great community partners we have. And we're looking forward to working together, not just tonight, and, sell, uh, and talking about what we all do working together tonight, but working together into the future because we all want to raise the city up, raise the kids up, raise the families up. We can only do that through working together. So thank you again to the Shaw family for having us all here tonight, for your, belie your belief in unity and community. And with that, turn it back to Ross. Thank you, Josh. So uh, I want to kick off uh, this evening by, by talking about um, a, a series of reports that have come out over the past year to talk about uh, how BPS is doing serving, serving their students. Um, and I'm going to refer to these four reports that we sent out to, I believe most of you have them. Um, the, you know, BPS has been incredibly open in agreeing to uh, work with outside partners and commissioning reports to see how we're doing in the state of education in Boston. Uh, the Boston Foundation partnered with Bellwether to write sort of this 10-year uh, report on how BPS has been doing. Um, the Barr Foundation commissioned a report with the Parthenon Group um, that was, incre was incredibly well done to talk about how students are doing who, who are off track. Um, the the um, Opportunity Agenda worked with Dr. Balfance and wrote a tremendous report about how we're doing preparing kids for, for college. Um, and... Um, and of course, the valedictorian report written by the Boston Globe uh, really highlighted um, incredible success stories of some of our students. And um, it highlighted some other students who uh, want, had different goals and ambitions who may have not achieved them. Um, but they're really important profiles of, of the students in Boston. Um, many of you know that Boston Public Schools has a three-tier system of high schools. We have, we have exam schools, which you have to test into. We have uh, admissions-based schools and lottery-based schools that you have to fill an application out to get into, and, and we have open enrollment high schools. Um, if you are a student who uh, has a disability, if you are a student who did not take a test, if you are a student who speaks a language other than English, if you are a student who came late uh, to, to the country, um, in, in many cases, you're assigned to an open enrollment high school. Open enrollment high schools have some of the best teachers and leaders that I've seen in the city of Boston. And they serve an incredibly high percentage of students with our greatest needs. And if you are in an open enrollment high school um, and you have, uh, an, you're off track or you have what we call an early warning indicator, the likelihood that you're going to stay off track is incredibly high. The likelihood that you're gonna transfer to another school is incredibly high, and the likelihood that you're gonna drop out because, because you haven't forged those adult relationships in your school um, is incredibly high. If you're a student who's on track and you go to an open enrollment high school, the likelihood that you're gonna fall off track by the end of ninth grade is very high. Um, the, the, over the past 10 years, Graduation rates have gone up across Boston Public Schools. Uh, dropout rates have gone down. But when we see the outcome of students going to colleges, we, through both the Opportunity Agenda Report and the Valedictorian Report, it's basically telling us we're not preparing our students well enough for life and career success. The, we have an incredibly entrenched system, school system, 
And it really is going to take all of us to have a conversation about how to improve, improve that system. Apparently, there's going to be a big announcement made tomorrow night um, about a new superintendent for the Boston Public Schools. I'm, I feel like um, it's a really important role. We're very fortunate to have uh, Laura Perilla as our interim superintendent. And it's, a, it's, it's fine. But no one person is going to solve this issue for us around high schools. It's not going to happen. It's only going to happen with the people in this room working together to figure out how we support every student in the Boston Public Schools for career and life success. And I believe this room is filled with people, it's a very eclectic group of people, that care deeply about this issue, that we could break down silos between our organizations, between um, maybe, as Josh was saying, the YMCA and Boys and Girls Club, and say, let's all work together to solve this issue. We are very fortunate um, that Laura Perel has said, I'm going to address this issue of high school inequity in the Boston Public Schools. On March 1st, Laura announced, Laura and her team announced work groups to begin to address the issues um, that have been highlighted by, by these reports that have come out over the past year. And um, we're going to hear about these work groups tonight. And we're going to try to engage you in some of the work of these work groups um, this evening. But I want to I read to you a little bit about what uh, Superintendent Perel stated at this March 1st event. She said, and while our obligation as a school system is to ensure that opportunity gaps are eliminated, nowhere is there greater evidence of the consequences of inaction than in our high school system and how so-called off-track youth are being served. Simply put, BPS must improve the educational opportunities enjoyed by all high school students. She went on to say, that said, reaching a point at which we can say that every BPS high school student enjoys this type of experience must be an urgent priority for the Boston Public Schools. Laura went on to say that um, once these work groups get going, uh, we will consult frontline educators, partners, and outside experts to inform their thinking. The intent of tonight's event is to engage partners and outside thinkers to help inform the thinking of the work groups um, as they've been launched for the, a couple of months now. And uh, again, I want to say thank you to Superintendent Perill for stepping up and saying, I'm going to launch these groups. I'm going to engage people to help solve these entrenched problems in the Boston Public Schools. Uh, with that said, I'm going to turn it over to the superintendent. Actually, Ross, I was hoping you would just go a little further and then I'd be all set for the evening. So um, thank you all for um, being here tonight. Um, and I want to give a special thanks to Jill and Niraj for hosting, to Ross and Oren and everyone from the Shaw Foundation um, for supporting this work and encouraging us forward, to um, Josh Kraft for being a part of this as well, and to all of you for being here tonight. And a really um, special thank you to the many in the room who are working on these work groups and thus here tonight to socialize, but also um, a part of the conversation and work moving forward. And we are, as Ross said, eager to draw in um, input, ideas, suggestions, and possible solutions from many of the folks in this room. You know, I think I communicated on March 1st, and as Ross said, I do believe that high schools are the next great systemic challenge 
um, facing the Boston Public Schools. The Boston Public Schools does not lack in reports and analysis. We do not lack in recommendations. What we lack is synthesis and implementation to action. So this is deep and important work. Obviously, it, a lot of it will happen and be executed um, under the leadership of a new superintendent, but you cannot run until you start walking and taking the first step. We all, so the goal of these work groups is by uh, mid to late June to have a set of memos that synthesizes recommendations around each work group area into short, medium, and long-term action steps and goals um, that where possible presents both practice and policy changes. And with those, we will determine if there are some actionable items that could happen right away before the end of June, particularly if they are policy related and have a strong basis and we think we can move them. I've actually spoken with all three of the superintendent finalist candidates. They are all encouraging of this work and several of them said like the more you can move to policy before I get there, that'd be awesome. Um, but, but just you know, trying to you know, um, make sure that we're not preconditioning um, the work, but setting up a range of options that represents the best thinking of many of the school and central office leaders in the system for that to be waiting for the new superintendent so they can pick up, lift, synthesize, and implement moving forward. So I firmly believe that it is too urgent to wait. It is too urgent to leave for the next moment of synthesis through transition. Let's have some action items. Let's have them ready to go and let's give the new leader an opportunity to pick up some work and move to action more quickly because that is what Boston needs. So I'm gonna stop there and I look forward to tonight's discussion and thank you. For a few minutes after Ross's introduction, 100 attendees broke into four groups and discussed each topic passionately. Now, here are the panelists summarizing key takeaways. Um, what we're gonna do now is hear from the panelists a little bit about each one was in a group. They're gonna tell us the highlights of that group. So if you didn't, weren't able to join another group, you could hear the highlights. Um, I'm gonna ask them to do a little bit of commentary. Uh, and then we're gonna open up to some questions from, from you guys. Um, I'm gonna start with the Career Pathways group. It looked like a pretty engaging, lively group. Josh, yeah? Was, uh, yes, there was a lot of uh, discussion, probably a lot of questions, the first part. But I want to sum it up briefly in Dana from uh, Dearborn STEM Academy. Really, in some ways, summed up all the questions and everything our whole group talked about in, in a lot of ways, trying to go big picture and to stay brief, um, is that the, the real power that we're seeing with career pathways is getting kids in the middle, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, those middle school, element, late elementary, middle school years, get them focused on career paths, what could work for them, or a college path, and tying it into their future high school. Where are the right industries for them, or where are the right colleges for them? And we uh, talked about how important it is for kids uh, you know, everyone wants to be a pro athlete or a rap star move, model, whatever, but really, do you really realize how lucrative it could be to be, you know, Nurge mentioned a welder, or we'll talk about a radiation techno uh, 
radiation assistant tech in, in the medical field and how lucrative that can be for a kid. That's right. You know, so, yeah, it, 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 so it, celebrating that, and I know uh, Dana's doing a lot of that at the Dearborn. We, 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 uh, we're fortunate to have the private industry council in the city of Boston, which does a phenomenal job of, of uh, getting kids internships and summer jobs and, and, and working really hard in introducing kids to jobs. But we have so much more work to do in this city because we, I mean, the people in this room, you think about the people in this room who know about jobs, know about access to pathways. We gotta make connections with the schools and bring kids in so they can learn about what's possible for them uh, in the city of Boston. Absolutely, what a, that was a nice group over there in that corner. I hope that group stays, uh, stays in touch, a good group. Uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Tommy Welsh, talk about Alt-Ed. Tommy, you had a, originally a hard time attracting people over to your group, I noticed. <laughs> um, but um, but we already figured it out. Yeah, but eventually people started to come over. So, uh, but I would love to hear a little bit about what your group discussed, but also um, about what the next steps are for for the internal work group in BPS. Thanks, Ross. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, we are we were a small but mighty group, and it's very reflective of alternative education in Boston. It's the smallest network, uh, but has the biggest challenges. So um, we're up for the job. But there are three key takeaways. I think uh, Brian said it best at the very end after hearing the conversation. Uh, we have a marketing, branding, branding problem, right? Like people don't know what we do. Students who go to Alt-Ed say, oh, you're at that school. So recognizing that there are some wonderful things happening and there are a variety of things happening in these schools to help folks understand that there's not just one alt school and one type of alt student. Um, so those are things we're working on. It's one of our subcommittees uh, in our working group. Uh, the second one that Karina um, mentioned was we have some very good partners here. Um, Karina's working with the YMCA right now, and she said, "You use me. Like, my feet are on the ground. Kids trust me. Like, let me help you, like, get this out there. Like, our, our kids, she shared a, a, a story when she took some kids out of state to college, and, like, that type of trust is something that, I think our network, it's hard to build the relational trust when we have such a short amount of time with these students. So thinking about those relationships that people have with students who may end up in our network um, over a longer range of time, I think is another thing that's really useful. And then uh, several folks had mentioned, uh, Jill and Anissa, uh, about this, the report says, it, the last report said, based on our definition of off-track youth, there are about 3,700 students in BPS high schools that are off-track. That's by one definition. Our network only serves a thousand. So there are the majority of off-track students in traditional high schools. And what are we doing about that? Um, there is a program in Charlestown called Diploma Plus, who's kind of an in-house program at Charlestown that's having some success. This year, or actually last year, Dorchester Academy closed down and we folded that program into the Excel High School. And so it's now an, an in-house tier three intervention. So it's their own alternative education in their program. Kids have access to the full school experience, prom, basketball team, all that good stuff, but they're getting instruction delivered in a different manner. So I think we do need to think outside the box with those two examples and thinking about ideas that have been shared with us in the last couple of months about how our students in alternative education can have access to things like career technical pathways. I'm looking at Michelle right now because that's a hot topic right now. Kids want it, adults want it. Let's try to make it happen with some of our partners. Dual enrollment, that's another one. So uh, thank you very much for this, the conversation team. And, and I, I have a whole pocket full of business cards. I know I gave one to Karina. So. Thanks, Tommy. 
Mandy Savas-Romer. Mandy, uh, for the, uh, we have not properly introduced Mandy uh, yet. Uh, Mandy is a professor of the Harvard Education School. She actually is the, uh, runs their guidance counseling program, school counseling program. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Uh, and, and really is the expert around student supports um, and, and, and across the country. Um, so we're really fortunate to have you here in the city, Mandy. Uh, so Mandy, what, what, what would your group talk about with student supports? What's the next steps? Well, I'd first just like to mention that our group was the first to form a circle and get to work. <laughs> and I, I'd like to name that because I think it's a testament to the fact that we have a lot of work to do in this area and, and people are excited about it. I just would like to say that um, I could probably pull out about four themes. The first is that judging from who sat in our circle, I think there's a growing awareness that counseling is not just about academics or college and career readiness or social emotional, it's about all three areas of development and really attending to students' development across the board. And I think how we do that is the big question. We generated a long list of things to do. And so I think in many ways, stepping back from all of the pieces, the takeaway is that we need to build a stronger system. We haven't really built a system in Boston, and that includes a couple things that came up. The first is a vision statement. What do we want all kids in Boston to have access to in terms of student support, regardless of where they go to school? Should it be uneven in terms of what staff are in what building or what kinds of programs are in what building? And so the first piece is, what should it look like? The second piece of the system that came up is then what are the mechanisms for doing that work? We're fortunate to have a rich, sort of constellation of community partners in the city, people who want to engage with schools, with educators. We don't have a system for how the parts all fit together in those three domains. Counselors can do that if we build the system for them to do that. That might mean having counselors lead teams, student support teams, intervention teams, post-secondary leadership teams that are data-driven, that are drawing on data from the district, identifying students who are off track developmentally in any of those three areas. It also means that counselors need to have their, their role defined much better than we have today. We, in many ways, the report that we did for the district in 2015 revealed that the role is pretty ambiguous. It's a model that is stuck from the 70s, maybe a little bit earlier, that hasn't taken into account two things. One, what young people are bringing to our high schools, the needs they have today, and the many other people engaged in this work. So given all the many partners, how do we make sure the system is functioning effectively and efficiently? And the last piece of that was the workforce. What does it mean to build a workforce of counselors? That means paying attention to their professional development, their professional learning. It also means how, how are we gonna build out the practices that are already underway that, that counselors and teachers and school leaders are doing that we could be sharing more broadly across the district. There currently isn't a system or mechanism for that in this district. The last thing I'll just add is that just even naming the other initiatives and work groups that we talked about today, the counselors are sort of the mediators for a lot of that work. They connect students to career and technical pathways. They correct, connect students, educate them about the graduation requirements. They talk with them about alternative placements. For every new initiative or project we implement, we need counselors to be well-informed and able to sort of deliver and connect students to those things. That means we're gonna have to start paying attention to them as a sort of hub of our services. Wow, you guys are very productive, Mandy. I, I, it is, yeah, it seems like. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a solid group. Um, Dr. Charles Ranson, 
you, uh, you were in the uh, what, graduation requirements uh, mass core group. And uh, I noticed that the father of these uh, mass core was uh, giving a lecture for a while in that group, uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul Revel. Uh, so what, what happened? Uh, what, what was learned? What was discussed? This was the easiest facilitation job because uh, I think Paul gave the lecture and then everyone just spoke and said, sorry, Charles, uh, and they just kept going. So it was great. Um, but um, great discussion um, and a lot of passion and energy around this topic. Um, and I think what uh, Paul helped us do is to frame the conversation um, around uh, instructional equity and around uh, Mass Corps as an equity move uh, by the state um, uh, many years ago. Um, and also framed this idea that uh, when they rolled out uh, Mass Corps, when they were looking to roll it out, um, that about 70% of the districts across the state um, were already pretty much there in terms of being able to provide Mass Corps, um, and Boston stood out as an exception uh, to that. Um, and so um, I think the story is similar uh, now, where we're probably about 30% there in terms of Mass Corps and um, about 80% statewide. Um, and so um, I think one of the major themes, a lot of things came up about, okay, how do we start early? Are there opportunities you know, in starting early, meaning as early as elementary school, and how do we build that strong foundation leading up uh, to, uh, to high school? Um, are there opportunities for 6 through 12 or 7 through 12 schools to, to have young people uh, take some of those courses earlier? Um, are there opportunities for online learning and more flexible um, environments, especially for alternative schools who do have to follow uh, Mass Corps as well? Um, and so when we think about the complexity we have in our system, um, our English learners, our students with disabilities, um, how do we create a system that allows us to meet their needs um, and make sure that we're not leaving young people behind as we create high standards, right? And then how do we keep high expectations for young people um, knowing that um, if this is an equity move, right, then we should all be in that sort of mindset um, and, what, and think about, uh, think carefully about what we're providing equity of access to, right? And so conversations um, or the work that's been done with the uh, Bell Fans report, for example, um, when you think about um, the core requirements that many colleges and universities are expecting, um, Mass Corps aims to try to align to that, right? Um, and so uh, how are we providing young people with access to uh, a middle-class life, a life that is sustainable, a life where they can actually afford to live in the city of Boston and be productive citizens. Um, and Mass Corps gets to the heart uh, of that. Um, so great conversations. So, so Charles, what is, is, it, is it that, I mean, this just seems like we should just adopt Mass Corps and just say that's what we're going to do in the city of Boston. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll add to that uh, that... Um, um, one of the things um, that uh, Headmaster Holzer uh, shared with us is that we should be thoughtful and planful about how we do it, um, that it requires uh, not only um, um, for us to think about um, what impact it's going to have on students, but also what impact it has on teachers, what are the, the space concerns, even if we're adding additional courses um, as we work through our BOBPS planning uh, in the city of Boston. Um, and, and just be thoughtful about how we prepare schools to get there. Uh, what, are the, what are the funding implications um, when we look at the way we decide to fund schools, uh, which is also an equity move, right? Our weighted student formula in Boston, right? And so making sure that as we come up with different strategies, how they all converge and land on the schoolhouse and create a set of experiences for young people that provides them equity of access to a quality of education, a quality, high quality education, um, and uh, a better life after they leave Boston.
Great. Public school. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you for, for sharing, you guys. I, I want to, we have a, just a couple minutes left, and I want to open it up to any questions from the, from the audience, if there is any, for the, for the panelists or for Superintendent Perrell. Um, any questions about, about the work groups, about the work moving forward, uh, or this process? Thank you. How do we stay engaged in this work? Yeah, I was going to do one thing, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Superintendent. So we, we actually, we have all of your, you, you all registered to be here tonight. Um, so we had originally... Uh, so the answer is, yeah. he knows where you live. Yeah, so, so what we're going to do is, is we'll send you, we'll, we're actually going to type up some of these notes from, from the work groups. We'll send them out to everybody. You can opt, we'll, we'll figure out a way to break up the work groups. So you could choose to opt in to receive... Uh, updates about how the work group is going. You'll also have contact information on each of the handouts that names the, the facilitator of those work groups. Um, so we're, we will send you a blanket email. You should opt out if you do not want to receive this information, and we'll take you off the list. Otherwise, um, it will be viewed as an opt-in. And I will just say um, quickly, we do, I mean, one of the reasons that this um, night was so valuable is that you got a chance to see the array of school leaders and central office leaders. Hopefully you swapped some cards. Hopefully you connected with a few of them. Reach out to any of them. It is incumbent on the Boston Public Schools that if we want to do this work and do it well, we need to value the expertise inside our system and we need to reach out to people who want to be a part of helping us. You guys, thank you. You know, thank you for coming out tonight. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more, please email us at infoshawfoundation.org, and we will include you in updates on this topic. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like it and share it with your friends and community. Thanks for listening. <laughs>